A well can only produce one thing, and when we dip our bucket into the well, we will only receive that same thing. If water doesn't keep flowing, it becomes stopped up and stagnant. It becomes like a still pond, a mirage that attracts the unwanted. All sorts of diseases and unhealthy things grow in stagnant water. So the question is, what is the well in your life? I will be speaking today from the subject of water, water of life. And we'll be going on a journey of discovering what that phrase really means. My name is Des Mary. I have a combination name. First part of my name is my dad's name. Second part's my mom. So Derek Desmond and Margaret became Des Mary. That's a thing in South Africa. Uh, we give combination names. My family is here today as well. Um, we belong to Hope Church or Relentless Church. Uh, I want to thank Vicky and Barry for giving me the opportunity to bring this word today. I am full of confidence that God has got a lot to reveal to us today. It's going to be incredible. So I mentioned that we are from South Africa, and I just want to mention to you that if you have been coming to this church, you have to know that you are blessed. This is a blessed, blessed, blessed community of body of Christ. One of my absolute favorite things to do in the Bible is to read up on the conversations that Jesus has with people throughout Scripture. I mean, Jesus he is just the greatest preacher of all time. He would say profound things like, you must be born again. And forgive 70 times, 7 times. And have mustard seed faith. And, you know, Jesus himself, he wasn't just God. He was fully human as well. So he can, he's experienced all our human emotions. The emotions that we go through as well. He can relate to us on every level. He was not just a passive Jesus. He also had a righteous anger because he is the righteous judge of all mankind. It is said that if you want to bring an old story back to life, that you would zoom in on the characters, that you would get the story from the character's point of view. That's exactly what I tried to do with the video. I got up a bit too soon, but we could see the dialogue. There was tension, there was suspense, there was emotions, there was a lot going on in that conversation. So this is the story about the woman at the well. And I want to glean just a few things, four principles from this conversation. And that would be the well, the water, the word, and the worship. So Jesus arrives in the village of Sychar of Samaria with an estimated time of arrival of 12 o'clock noon. His disciples are not with him at this time, for they have all gone, all of them have gone into the town to buy some food, all 12 of them. That says something about sending the men for groceries. <laughs> What's interesting to me in the text is that they might have even passed this Samaritan woman on their way into the village as she was coming out towards the well. But as per custom of Jewish culture and the whole thing between the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't greet. 
This particular well is known as Jacob's well, and it has been passed down from Jacob, or Jacob, Jacob himself, from generation to generation. Good and bad can be passed on from generation to generation. And a healthy well is found at the heart of a thriving community. This is in the first century times. And especially crucial for this location in Sychar because there were no rivers in the area. And I can relate to this personally. You know, in 2016 it was, about eight years ago, we bought a house in South Africa. South Africa's got a hot climate. And we bought this house because we just loved the size of the pool. And we thought... We had some good memories at the pool, you know. Um, it became a place where our families gathered around. We had our summer evenings around the pool. And I thought this pool reminds me almost of this concept of a well. And you know what? In 2017, we made our journey to the UK at a time when there was drought declared in South Africa. There was water restrictions. And ever since that pool, it went from green to stagnant, and it's now empty. It's barren. We could never put running water back into that pool. We do not know much about this woman, but we know that she is a Samaritan. She doesn't have a name, or they don't give her a name. Um, we know that she has a checkered past. She's got some uh, failures in the relationship department and is an, an outcast in a community. We know that she is definitely spiritually thirsty because she has never encountered the Messiah before this moment. And we know that, we know that she has the same routine every day. You know, there's that saying, same thing, different day. There's a problem in that because in the beginning, when God created the earth, he didn't do same thing, different day. He set out the earth and his vision for the earth. And every single day there was an assignment that was building up the strategy of God's vision. And so every day we too must labor to bring forth God's strategy for our lives. Because as we've heard in the sabbatical is that we have the imago day inside of us. And because of that, we are also producers. So this is a time, it's the most difficult hour of the day, it's noon, and well, to a surprise on this particular day, there's a Jew, and not just any Jew, there's a rabbi. So in Jesus, weary and tired from his travel, sat down at the well and as the woman arrives, and he said to her, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, it would become a water welling up to eternal life. You see, a world without water would be dry and dead. 
Water is essential for life. It is said that natural water is regarded as even more precious than gold. In the natural, there are many benefits of water. It cleanses us from toxins. It promotes healthy brain cells. It fights off disease, and it keeps us looking youthful. In the Bible, water is also, water is used as symbolism for various, various things, such as salvation and cleansing and the Holy Spirit. There was Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army. He was healed in the Jordan River from leprosy. There was Noah and the flood that cleansed the sin, you know, earth from sin and destruction. There was the Garden of Eden, and God himself in chapter 2 of Genesis puts a river down in the Garden of Eden. The river is full of water, and that water is the emblem of life. It is the beautiful symbol of life in its gladness, in its purity, activity, and its fullness. Even in the wilderness, Israel had from the smitten rock the water which gushed out like a river. A natural water and a spiritual well both coexist in this text. The water that existed in Jacob's well would pacify, but the water that existed in Jesus would satisfy. The water in Jacob's well gives us temporal sustenance, but the water that Jesus gives, is it never runs dry. It's living water, and we will never thirst again. Jesus is Jacob's well. David says in the Psalms, As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs unto thee. You see, David understood the importance, the principle of being connected to living water. Our deep need for God can be compared to hunger and thirst. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that of acting as a catalyst of our understanding of God's word and connecting us with heaven. You see, this right here, the Holy Spirit, God is spirit, and everything about him can only be interpreted in the spirit. A life without the Holy Spirit is therefore disconnected from God himself. And she's going for the water in Jacob's well, but Jesus is offering her living water from within himself. There is a scripture in John 7 that says, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man thirst... Let him come unto me and drink. So the question is, have you been drinking from the water that pacifies or have you been drinking from the water that satisfies? The word of God doesn't just reveal God. No, the word of God reveals you. It reveals me. Salvation requires a confrontation with sin. And this woman and Jesus, he says to her, go call your husband and then come back to me. And she answers him and says, I have no husband. You see, see, the need for us is to be able to be truthful to God. That's the start of receiving the Holy Spirit. You need to be able to identify what is counterfeit in your life that keeps you in a cycle of self-destruction. If you have spent too much time in isolation lately, removed from the stream, from the living, living in the well that is you instead of the well that is God, then you run the risk of being spiritually malnourished. 
You see, the living water referred to in this text is also the word of God. The word of God is Jesus. And so the word made flesh is showing up, up at this well in Samaria and giving this woman a word. And she has to respond. Jesus is saying to her, deal or no deal. It's a taste test. Is it, is it what water do you want? Is it Pepsi or is it Coke? Make up your mind. Sometimes it is easier for us to pacify than to go down to the root of our issues. And what I mean is sometimes we think we can just pluck off from the fruits that show up on the branches of our tree. It's almost like putting on a pair of sunglasses and think, you know, you're a different person because of that. But actually, we can do all sorts to try and pacify our thirst our thirst for God, our thirst for the Holy Spirit. We can search after romance. We can go into making more money. We can have accolades and chase fashion and all kinds of things. But King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes that it's all vanity, all vanity, which means it is not real and it won't sustain and it won't quench your thirst. You will walk away feeling even more thirsty if you dabble on those things. And Jesus spoke to her and he said, truth, woman, you spoke truth. And the thing that got me, it wasn't the well that got her the most. It wasn't the water that got her the most. It was the word. Because she didn't say to the people in Samaria, come and see a well or come and see the water. No, she dropped her water pots and ran into the streets to say, come and see a man who gave me a word. He told me everything I had ever done, and he didn't reject me. He still loves me. He knows me inside out. The Bible said the word increased and the disciples multiplied. Amen. Where the word increases, the disciples will multiply. Which brings me to the fourth one, which is worship. Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know because salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in the truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You see that line where it says, yet a time is coming now when the true worshipers will worship the Father. In John chapter 3, there's two verses from John chapter 3 that we all, with, that we all know about. There was another encounter between Jesus and another person, this time a religious Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, he makes an appointment with Jesus and he goes to see Jesus under the cloud of darkness. It is about midnight at this time, so not in broad daylight. And he's so intrigued by Jesus and the miracles and the rave and, you know, there's a lot happening. Jesus is popular. And Jesus speaks to him saying, for you to have this eternal life, you must be born again. He's trying to essentially portray the same message that he has with the Samaritan woman of living water to Nicodemus. But you see, Nicodemus' mind could not comprehend because the things of our God can only be comprehended with the Holy Spirit. And he's got his religion, and he's got his status, and he's got all his scriptures in his mind, but it didn't reveal anything for him in this moment. He walks away 
in the same way, just intrigued. And this is also where we come into God's salvation plan because God is so merciful that you would accept the worship of a fallen humanity because we were once enemies of God. We were once living in rebellion against Him before we ourselves became saved. God is saying to us that whilst we were dead in our sin, Jesus went to the cross and He died for us. And there is nothing in your life that you have done in your past or will do in your future that could cause Jesus to love you less. In exchange for her drink, he offers to her a fountain of living water. And God is a God of exchange. He wants to take your little cup and give you a bubbling fountain. That same thing is true in your worship. God will take your little and give you infinite. You may worship him from your brokenness. You may worship him from your recklessness. You may worship him from ruins because there are no deficiencies in God. And the promise in Isaiah 61 verse 3 says, He gives us beauty for our ashes, joy instead of sadness, and he turns our heaviness into praise. Jeremiah 2 verse 5, this is what the Lord says, they worshiped worthless idols and became worthless themselves. This is a very powerful principle that we can learn from Jeremiah. Because worship may not change your circumstance, but it will change you. And you become what you worship. And if you worship worthless things, the mirage of this life, then you become worthless. But if you can worship the one that is worthy, the one that is the I am, the one that is the healer, the one that is the alpha and omega, then you can become like him. Jesus came to pay the ultimate penalty for our sins. He was the ultimate gift to the world. For God so loved the world. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he took the limited resources of the little child and he surrendered it to the Father, and he, and he prayed. And God took the limited, the offering, and turned it into limitless. It's so easy for us to look at ourselves and think that we only have a little of this and a little of that, uh, and our brokenness and our weaknesses. And Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden. And just like the Samaritan woman... We have all had our encounters with the Lord. For salvation is from God by His grace. On the cross, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Also what we see in the text of the crucifixion, that after they've pierced him on the side, both blood and water came out from his side. And that scripture to me confirms that surely there is living water inside of Jesus. When he said, if you thirst, come and drink from me, it is because he, he contains living water within his body. Ezekiel in chapter 47 has this vision, and this vision pertains to the Dead Sea. 
I know you guys know all about the Dead Sea because you guys are well informed. So I won't explain the Dead Sea, but there's a lot of references in the Bible about the Dead Sea. And again, we find it in Ezekiel 47 verse 9. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. So this is God restoring the Dead Sea. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. And the question today is, are you a stream that God can flow through? Are you connected to his life-giving waterworks? I call it the electrolyte living water. When she finally realized who Jesus was and what, is he, what he was offering, she left her water pot. So are you carrying around a water pot that is filled with visions and dreams that have not yet come to pass? Or maybe in your water pot it is the issues of life that you haven't surrendered over to God. This is a call for you to surrender that pot over to Jesus. You see, I can go, I've discovered in my personal life, I can go to the gym, I can diet, I can put on beautiful clothes, I can do everything on the external, but if what is on the inside is dead, if there's no fountain of living water on the inside of me, then it is all for naught, because we heard the verse that as the body is wasting away day by day, so the spirit man in me is renewed. So I may be able to delay this process of dying, because we all will die at some point in this life. But I do know that I will live again. You see, we are not permanent citizens of this earth. We are actually permanent citizens of the new Eden. And so our hearts longs for the things of heaven. And eternity has been set into our DNA. And our hearts remember God the Father and his love with which he has created us. Our flesh never aligns with our spirit willingly. It is a day by day, day by day, day by day work with the help of the Holy Spirit. I would like to share seven habits that I have developed to make myself as David pant for the streams of living water. Habit number one is the habit of praying. You see, in James 5.16, it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So I want to encourage us all to start praying fervently because a half-hearted prayer life, in essence, is not enough. I'm talking about dedicated time with Jesus. Set your heart, set that time aside and dedicate yourself in prayer. Habit number two. The habit of studying the Bible. So I've heard the phrase of a scripture, a day keeps the devil away. That's not going to connect you to the stream of loving water that never runs dry. You need to immerse yourself. And a verse that my mom gave me when I was really young, and I've always held on to this, is Psalm 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. So we are also called children of light. We are God's children. We are children of the light. We are called to shine our light and to be light. And so he makes light my path. And everywhere where I walk, there will be light and the darkness cannot comprehend. 
Habit number three is the habit of fasting. So I'm not going to preach on that. That is totally spirit-led and it's personal. But we know how Jesus fasted in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 and 11. But the aim with fasting is that you would dedicate yourself in prayer. If you are looking for breakthrough, that is where you go. Habit number four is overcoming sin. So I've just become, there's, there's just a conviction on me to just try and be righteous. And John 15 verse 8 says this, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, if we can visualize sin as a vice grip, right? The Bible speaks about that this vice grip or this is also re referred to as the strong man. And the strong man wrestles with, with us daily. You know, overcoming sin, we have the armor of God that we can put onto ourselves and thank Jesus for his blood that sanctified us on the cross and thank him for loving water that cleanses us from leprosy. Yeah. Habit number five is the habit of attending church. And I'm not saying you, you're just filling up a number. It's not about coming and filling up a space. It is about where one and two comes together in my name. There I will be. And God is here this morning. And God is speaking to you. And there is a prick on your heart this morning. And that prick is as if Jesus has come to sit next to you at the well. Habit number six is that of developing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we can go back to Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. But to summarize that, is that blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. And then in the end it says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Number seven is the habit of sharing the gospel. You see, this habit, we all actually have been commanded to do that. There's a commandment in Mark chapter 16, and it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. And we know the rest of that, that scripture is the negative. So as believers, we all share this one scripture. Relentless church is the ripple effect of the gospel in Warrington. And you, if you are coming to this church, If you've planted yourself here, then you have got that assignment on you. It's not just Barry and Vicky. It's each one of us individually. We heard that message from the pulpit this morning. And in the last book of the Bible, there's such a beautiful illustration of another river that flows from God the Father to give us life. And I'm just going to read that because it's really precious The, the title or the heading is Eden is Restored. Hallelujah. And then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. 
and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of, lamp, of, of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. When the name of God is on our foreheads, that really stood out for me in the scripture. Because that for me means that when whatever attacks come my way to my mind has to pass the name of God that is on my forehead. And he said in the scriptures that I've got the mind of Christ. You see, everything that is a vice in this life starts off with a thought. But when the name of God is written on your forehead, that enemy that is trying to attack you will first need to pass the powerful, almighty name of Jesus. What has been designed to take you out has no power it has absolutely no power against the name of God. You might be sitting in a service like that and you think of all your deficiencies and your limitations. But if I was there just a couple of weeks ago when they asked me to bring this message, you see, I discovered what if the, the thing that I've been telling myself all this time that I cannot speak in front of people, what if I allowed that thing to hold me back in life. I would waste my time and I would not step into purpose. But you have a purpose today. God is saying there is loving water. And I want to encourage you today to come out of that the flow that is you and come into the flow that is Jesus. Because in His flow, you will never thirst again. Hallelujah. There is a flow. There is a phenomenon in the earth. There is a phenomenon in the earth called confluence. Confluence is when two rivers merge. They merge to become one stronger current. I am calling everyone to merge with a river that is God. That river that flows from the throne of the Lamb. That flows from the throne of God. Merge that fountain of loving water and you've got that fountain. You just need to stir it up again. You need to go back into your prayer closet and you need to start praying fervently and say, Lord, fill me up again. Lord, fill me up. I need your water. God, I need your water. What the enemy is saying to me, it is a lie. Anything that he tells you that is in direct opposition of the dream of the God-sized well in your soul. Anything that the enemy says in opposition to that, it is a lie. Because you have been sealed in by God. The blood of Jesus flows through your veins. Sanctified we are. The same power that is in Jesus that resurrected him from the cross. And by the way, resurrection from the cross means that sin and disease and all kinds of sorrows that has all been overcome on the cross you don't have to live in your shame you don't have to live in your guilt hallelujah thank you jesus thank you father god your word says to us not by might but by not by power but by your spirit this morning i was preparing 
there was a member of church that came to the back of the stage and that person said, ask the question, there's a smell in here. Can you smell that smell? And I asked, what was the smell? He said, it's the smell of drain. Sorry, I don't want to upset anybody. But I've prepared this message on the water of life. And I want to give you this visual. If your bath plug is trapped, if it is stuck and you've become clogged up, then you need to just take away that plug and let that rubbish flow out and put in clean water so that your pH levels can come back again, so that clear waters can show up in your life again. Anything other than that is not God's purpose for your life. And I will end off with one scripture in Jeremiah. And the background of this scripture is not that when it was all good and well with Israel. No. Jeremiah spoke a word of hope. He said, God says in 29:11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe that, church? Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah.